Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to Nagnal Radio. Um, we finally have a tech queen. Um, finally a tech queen who I'm really in love with and inspired by. I love her content. You guys already probably know her. Her name is Amina. I actually came across Amina on YouTube and it was just really refreshing to see another Somali girl in tech. Um, as a fellow Somali girl in tech, it's we're like basically invisible. So I was just like, I see you. And she said she seen me too when she replied back to the email. So yes. Um, but I'm gonna welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm super excited for this episode. For the folks who don't know you, can you introduce yourself to them? We love an amazing elevator pitch. <laughs> Hi everyone. Um, my name's Amina. I'm a software engineer and a YouTuber. So I have a YouTube channel called Develop with Amina. I started it during lockdown um, and I just share my journey. I talk about tech, um, career, lifestyle. And yeah, I make I create resources as well. So I have like a Google Doc where it has a breakdown of my job and the things that I use and it's attached with like free resources. And I also have a child and parent friendly version as well. So kids can also get into programming. And yeah, I also have, I'm also like one of three of a podcast called the Black Muslim Girl Podcast. Um, yeah, I think that's a bit about me then. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I feel like I was just laughing at your YouTube. The first YouTube cha- uh, video that I seen of you was the one where you <laughs> talked about how you told your Somali parents you're moving out in like a day. And I was like, my good sis is a risk taker. Like you're willing to die. You want to say the Nagnul energy sometimes. Like you just got. I'm ready to go to war. (laughs) (laughs) How is that even possible? Like as a like as a fellow Somali kid, how'd you do it? Like, are there tips you have for people who do want to move out, who do want to like seek out their careers and stuff like that post lockdown, inshallah? The way I did it was so chaotic. There was no plans. It was just vibes and whatever. Like, that was literally my uh, motive. So, like, um, it's funny because I never had any intention to move out at this age. Like, I've, I moved out when I was 21. So I had no plans to move out that age. I thought maybe, like, maybe mid to late 20s when I've got my life together a little bit. But it was just, I had just switched from the film industry into tech. And I was doing a boot camp. And then they were doing, like, job interviews at the end. Um, and I was offered a job but it was just that that job was not in London where I had grown up and lived with my family so I had to choose like if I accept this job I would need to move out to be closer to that job Um, so it's so funny because I I just accepted the job I was like it's fine it's only an hour and a bit away I'll figure it out so I accepted the role Um, some of the other girls around me in that boot camp because it was a boot camp to get women into tech so it was just like about 20 to 30 women in that course Um, so some of them got roles too in the same location just different departments and you know I was going with them we're viewing places I was like my head is in the clouds I had not even told my parents yet (laughs) literally I was just going about and at this time also like my relationship with my parents was a bit tense because I had taken four months out to not work and focus on this boot camp because it was full time. And so for them, it's like, what the hell are you doing? Kind of thing. I didn't go to uni as well. So that was another whole, <laughs> that was another chaos. Basically, at that point in my life, my parents were just so used to me just doing whatever career-wise anyway, because I switched industries. Like this is like the third or fourth industry I've switched into mm-hmm. from when I turned 18 to, to now 22. Um, so they're always confused as to what I'm doing because for them it's like, oh, who do you know that's doing this? You know, you look at this, look at your cousins doing this and that. So this is another case of that for them. And they're like, we don't know where your heads are. What's your plan? Like these times they're asking me, do I know? <laughs> Obviously I can't tell them that. I'm just like I just want to know where I fit in the most like I just want to be in an industry where I can thrive Mm -hmm. so the tech industry looked promising and yeah I was doing that boot camp um they didn't they had no idea I was doing viewings they had no idea I'd even accepted the job because we're finishing our last module I just happened to get the job offer quicker alhamdulillah so like I was like okay cool I've got a bit more time to like just let me just act like everything's fine my head's in the clouds I found a nice place I was like you know what let me just sign this um I signed my job contract and everything and then it was like basically my moving date was on a Friday so on the Wednesday evening um 
I, I remember I reached out to my dad. I said, dad, I want to talk to you. And then he, when he got home, he was like, oh, what did you want to talk to me about? And I had printed out a copy of my job contract and my tenancy agreement for the house that I, uh, the place I decided to sign for. So I had a copy of those two things in hand. And then he's like, what do you want to talk to me about? And I showed him my job contract and I showed him my agreement for the house. And I was like, oh, by the way, I finished the boot camp. I got offered a job as a software engineer. This is my contract. And then I was like, by the way, it's not in London. So I found a place. Um, I collect my keys on Friday. This is the place and this is the contract. And that was it. <laughs> there was no like, oh, no back talk. Can I do this? Ain't no back you know, talk. It was, I had to just rip the bandaid off because I felt, you know, Somali parents, if you give them time to um, think about it, that, that it was just based on like the environment for me at the time, it was just very tense. It was quite toxic. Mm. Like my parents, it was just like, they just didn't understand what I was doing. The communication was all the way off. So at that time, that was the best way I could have done it. Ideally, I would have wanted it to be more smooth sailing, but it's like with Somali parents, like they just, they see it as you grow up, you provide for the household, you help, 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 and then you get married. And, you know, then you can leave kind of thing. But I always knew that was never going to be for me. And I think they knew deep down as well. They just didn't know when the madness would be activated. Um, <laughs> Why is that my family? <laughs> they, knew, like, they let me be myself and express myself. And when, I'm, when I hit 21, they're like, do what you want to do. You're an adult now. Yeah, but they're always yeah, like... It depends though, like, for because I'm Burwani as well. So mm. for them, it's like marriage, marriage, marriage. But yeah. to be honest, my parents didn't really force that on me or they didn't really bring it up a lot. But mm. they always had it in the back of my mind, like, OK, you're probably going to be the one that's just going to be career merge. You're going to stay in the house for the longest, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you'll travel. So when this came about at the age I was at the time, 21, they were like, oh, oh, are you really going to be about it? And I didn't want to give them the option, the time to try and talk me out of it. And I also didn't want to talk myself out of it. So I thought if I rip off the bandaid and just do it um go for it then I can see what will happen like I feel like when you do give some my parents or like a lot of like immigrant parents the choice of like planning with them it's a hot mess because it's, it's a, a hot job. mess it would never works out yeah. they'll just something always goes off and that was my experience that with other things in general whenever nothing even major even like things that they agree on with like if I give them time to explain I don't know what it is they sort of like put doubts in your head sometimes yeah. sometimes it you know what well. it is they talk to okay so sometimes you'll convince your parents of something and you're like okay that was really productive that one call with that one habarier. oh, oh that's what it is <laughs> that's, that's the worst everything all of a sudden intervention oh so and so their mother's grand's neighbor's dog's best friend up in africa they tried the same thing and then they fell fell down the stairs upside down on the first day so therefore i don't think you should do this yeah. you know and if I can, you don't believe me i will send you a whatsapp video about this that i got <laughs> yeah literally and it's it could be the most normal thing and they'll find a way to talk you out of it especially if you're a girl yeah. so i just didn't want that so i was like you know what let me rip off the band-aid the situation's already tense here this is an opportunity i don't want to let go of it at the end of the day they're not going to let me out here enjoying myself in my own place they're going to call me anyway. So, do you know, it, it sounds really, like, manipulative. But at the same time, I just knew, like, they'll, if there's distance, there'll be room for conversation. Yeah. So that's why I did it that way. So I told them on the Wednesday night. And then my mom heard after. She was full dramatic mode. She started calling up all these relatives. We need to talk to my child. She's losing it. Maybe there's someone making her do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually it was quite funny because when she was calling like other relatives they're like but your daughter knows what she's doing she seems like she's just does her work and goes off mm. um, but either way it didn't matter because I told them on a Wednesday night so I had about what just under 48 hours to just hold it <laughs> just firm it <laughs> and I was like you know what let the chaos happen at the end of the day I've signed a contract I have to collect my keys they can't really stop me mm. and then yeah I just bounced and then it was quite it was quite isolating to be honest because like the first few months I didn't hear anything from them like it was just oh. radio silence yeah but in my head I was like okay but I've got a new job to um, sort out so I don't even have time to oh. process these emotions 
I just remember like when I moved into a new place and I just sat down and look around and I was like, I can't believe I've actually done it. And I just cried like tears of relief. I felt really relieved given the situation being tense. Mm-hmm. And then obviously like my paycheck started hitting and then eventually, like, I would reach out to maybe for my siblings and then yeah eventually I started talking to my mom and it was pretty calm and casual and I was like oh wow she just checked in on me and then we we're just having a conversation and then it just kind of got better there from there um so it was worth it very chaotic but it was worth it <laughs> I know that um that like mashallah you did a lot of untraditional routes throughout your journey even like now with your career you talk about you didn't go to university which is amazing like I um love people who are in tech when you go to university because it's inspiring because you really took the like, the best route for you I was wondering like how'd you get started and like why'd you think that you know why'd you make the decision to come into tech um so initially it was I was basically like in the film industry but I was more like the marketing and PR side and sometimes we were working with like digital teams and initially I wanted to actually get into UX and UI design because I thought that would make the most sense in terms of the transition and my skill set but then through that I was looking for jobs where I wanted a bit more pay Um, especially within marketing I was looking for like more of those mid-level roles and they things kept popping up like HTML, WordPress development, PHP, JavaScript and I was like what's all of this stuff? And then I look further and it's like, okay, it's coding. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how to code, but let me just do my Google searches. Let me go on YouTube. I started binge watching all these tech videos and I was like, oh, this looks pretty cool. It's quite creative, but it's also very It all starts on YouTube. I love that. Yeah. So for me, I was actually inspired by like UX and UI design. And then that sort of led me to like front end developing, like web development. So I was like, okay, this seems like something I like because... I'm quite logical, like a lot of people assume that because I didn't go to university, I wasn't very academic. And it's like, I enjoyed learning at school. I actually, I was good at my subjects. My grades were great. Um, I was very much like, I liked studying kind of thing, um, which is also why it confused my, confused my parents as to why I didn't go to university. Cause they were like, you've got great grades. Why are you not going? It seemed like the standard for them. Um, but I actually like the logical side of things just as much as the creative aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and coding for me provided that because you've got the sol- problem solving, but then you can be creative because you can design really cool websites. Um, you can get to think about the user's experience. So it's not just complete like, oh, just all these boring problems to solve. It was, it was a nice balance. And I was like, okay, I want to get into this. And then I remember I used to start tweeting like, oh, coding is another skill I need to add to my um skill set I was just talking about coding and then people started following me related to that um topic and then funny enough one of my American followers I wish I could find the account they retweeted a boot camp that um this platform called Code First Girls were um offering and it was like the first time they had ever done anything like this um so we were basically the first cohort I don't even know if they're repeating this style because normally they do like um, 12 week courses but for the first time they teamed up with a company to fund um, for like 30 girls for four months and yes um, one of my mutual America I don't they weren't a mutual they're just an American follower because I remember the person sent me the link they're like oh you should apply to this I keep seeing you tweet about coding mm-hmm. and then I was like you know what I have nothing to lose by this point I had already finished all like my film projects um so I was like, okay, cool. I'm unemployed now, basically, after after two weeks. So let me um, just apply to this. What do I have to lose? And yeah, if that person had not retweeted that on my timeline and did not send me the link, I would not have gotten onto that course. And I might not even be where I am right now. So it was just literally just tweeting. Like I always, literally every single job I've ever had, apart from one tutoring job when I was doing my A-levels, I've gotten it through social media. I've never actually had a, the traditional, it's so mad. Like it's always someone referring me. It's always someone pointing me to certain applications and then applying through that. I've never gotten a job the traditional way, like ever to this day. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was just another case of like, people keep seeing me tweet about coding and it confused them a bit because they're used to me being creative. So they're like, oh, I didn't know you were trying to learn how to code. And then that person happened to be seeing my TL and they were like hey you should (laughs) apply to this and that literally changed the course of my life like literally 
and that's how I fell into tech. <laughs> that's so amazing. It just, like, undermines <laughs> the power of social media. Yeah, they really yeah. do undermine the power of social media. Like, I literally got my job at Old Navy. That was the longest job I've ever hold, hired on the spot during my interview because of, like, how bubbly and like you know my personality like you know like my personality gets me the job yeah. i've never had to wait to hear back from a job it's always like they're hired on the spot yeah. especially yeah. if you know people from companies and stuff like that like i remember i'm not on twitter anymore but like when i was on twitter i, I was in south africa and i was just like tweeting like because like you know how sometimes you get passionate about something and then like you're but i was like talking about how like yo i really 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 want to get into like i was like i know that project management is a field for me and i need to like you know step up my game um and then i just like randomly like my mentor who now like got me the job I have right now like amazing person he dm'd me he was like hey like let's just chat and I would love to know your skill set and like your past internships so I can like refer you and then ever since then like I just been uh, on on point like people on twitter look out for you more than linkedin for like it's You'd be so surprised. not even people on twitter look out for you more than people that you've known your whole entire life like it's crazy for literally and you know what's funny it's kind of now starting to go full circle because now people reference um, the resources that I share in their job applications. Like since I started my YouTube channel last year, um, a lot of people have been referencing me in their applications for boot camps, um, in their interviews. Like there's certain people when my name got dropped or my channel name got dropped, the interviewers recognized it. So mm. it's like I went from pe- relying on people, not relying, but um, people giving me their referrals so I can get these opportunities to yeah, now people name dropping me to get mm-hmm. themselves jobs. It's like, it's like a nice full circle because it's like I got a lot of help through social media and now people can, now I've, I've picked up that information and I'm just passing it on and people mm-hmm. can now benefit from that. It's so crazy. Like during it's this- It's so nice. And when, it's when so it nice. Come, I love it. When it comes full circle, it truly shows that like you were halal and ethic, eth- like, you know, like yeah. modest and humble. I feel like people who are humble go a long way. Like, you're not supposed to, like, talk about or, like, I don't know. I'm one of those people where I hold my cards, like, very close to my chest. There's only, like, a few people, like, Ahlam and, like, some of my other friends that I share shit to. But, like, other than that, like, I keep it to myself. I think that's so important. Yeah. And I think in this industry in particular, people like to follow your journey with you. Yeah. Um, and it's something that comes naturally to me because for me, it's like, if I've learned something from someone, I'll document it, apply it. If it works, I'll just share it. Um, and I was doing that way before my channel. So just in general, like I'll tweet out things or I'll share opportunities. Or if I see someone's like, oh, I need to, um, I want someone to proofread my application. And I knew what that role was like. I would just message them be like, hey, I just saw you tweet this. Let me do that. Because that's how, because I've had social media since I was a teenager. So it's like, I've had it since I was, what, 16, 17? And I've yeah. kind of grown up on it. And I've, I, my whole career, like, I've, um, a lot of the opportunities came through that. So yeah. it's like, now I'm seeing younger people going, or even my age mates, sometimes even older. It's actually quite funny because my audience, especially on YouTube, are, like, people 35 plus. Like, the main chunk is between 35 to 40-something. It's so weird. I, I don't know how. Um, <laughs> because I thought most of them would be my age mates, but there's a huge chunk. Um, and it's quite nice because you save people so much time and L's that they could have taken if nobody had told them, hey, by the way, don't go for that. Do try this way or yeah. take this shortcut. Because for me, I feel like, if you don't have to take that L, why should you take it kind of thing? Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. in tech. And it's okay to take L's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, like, tech is such a new industry. And, like, there's obviously, like, a di- we're going to talk about mm-hmm. it uh, later, but there's a huge diversity issue. So, like, a lot of people, like, it's their first time going through it. There's nobody in their community going through it. And, like, especially I feel like in the UK, it's different. Like, here in oh. America, like, um, especially I live in the West Coast. So, like, you know, tech is so huge growing up. Like, I, like, basically seen my city be transformed by tech. But again, like... Are you in Seattle by any yeah, chance? Yeah, I'm a... Yeah, Amazon, makes sense. <laughs> I go on this book. Like, it's, again, I have that privilege. It's been in front of me. But, like, for people who kids who are not, like, it's, you know, it's important for them to see your YouTube channel or even to, like, have access to you. Even the older people, like, tech is a transitional career, you know? So yeah, like- there's definitely not an age gap because, um. so, like, last year around August time, obviously with what's happening with the pandemic and a lot of children's education, a lot like I was um, helping out teachers to make sure that kids were still staying on top of their learning, trying to introduce them to what tech is like, because it's not like 
I didn't learn coding at all in primary school or secondary school. It was nothing, it wasn't anything. I have no qualifications in terms of like formal education when it comes to tech. Like the only quote unquote formal education I have is the boot camp. Everything else is self-taught. So, you know, in the education system here, um, computer science is not something that was taken seriously. Mm-hmm. It's only now, maybe in certain schools and academies where it's a subject, it didn't exist as a subject at all growing up at any stage of my education so it's like I think now they're starting to realize there's a there's a huge market here in the UK for the tech industry like it's growing it's in demand there's so many jobs that need to be filled um so it's like social media is great for that because I've connected with parents like one of the things that really shocked me because I just started my channel just to share information like whatever I know I'll just share it but like people have gotten jobs through the pandemic um, just because they're being made aware of certain roles in tech that don't even require coding. Um, There's people in certain communities where they don't get access, like for example, the deaf community, where they would not, this sort of information, even on YouTube or like um, just online, they might not have access to it because it's not made accessible for them. Mm -hmm. Like it's so mad, like, how much information can be shared online and in the UK it's such a growing industry so it's more of like it's not that there's no talent it's just people don't know where to look Mm -hmm. so um as someone who's utilized social media and people have guided me and given me advice that saved me years of headaches the best way to you know give back is to share that same advice Mm -hmm. so that's just sort of how I process it and it's so mad like Information spreads like wildfire on social media. So why not just use it for something useful? Yeah. No, that's amazing. I feel like now I'm going to be able become a big techie. It's like where it's at. Ahlam and you guys, I'm literally every day. I'm just like, maybe information systems is that. You should um, follow this community called Somalis in Tech. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really great online community that was set up not too long ago. And there's also um, Bridge the Gap in Tech. That's mm-hmm. also run by Somali um because I have not like in on Twitter especially like the Somali community within tech is quite Mm. nice I really like it it's super supportive like the tech in the tech community online in general is quite supportive for the most part yeah bar a few trolls here and there but the Somali tech space online like Mm. on in the Twitter communities in the UK Mm. I can't like it's really nice um for the most part so that's also been really like refreshing to see because you know a few years ago that wasn't the case like there just wasn't any um the diversity rate in the tech industry is so bad like I mm-hmm. thought the film industry was bad and then I got into tech and it's like I've never worked with anyone in my day-to-day job that's not white yeah how do you deal with uh, that though like I like bro nobody draining but like you know tech is like not only Adan but it's male dominated and just exactly. as a woman, like you're constantly being man explained you're constantly just dealing with like older white women white women call how white men telling you what to do like how do you deal with them like how do you take care like how do you deal with the microaggressions um is there any like diversity <laughs> stuff at your work they do I don't really know like, companies oh them. my gosh so <laughs> this job that I'm in now is my first tech job um up until maybe May or June I was literally the only girl in my software team and then one of four in the wider team um to this day, I'm still the only non-white person. So forget black, wow. forget just just non-white, full stop. Um, and yeah, basically, um, uh, and it's quite draining. It's the least diverse team I've ever worked in in my life, full stop. Mm-hmm. Like in other places, there's been at least one or two non-white. But here it's just like it's so bad. And on top of all of that, Another interesting thing that I did not realize I would come across is the age gap. I thought tech was like all young um, for the most part, but where I work, I don't know, maybe it's the particular industry in tech I'm in, um, but there's a huge age gap. So you will have like maybe five of us at most that are in our twenties, maybe one or two in their thirties. And then everyone else is like 50 plus. And it was the first time I ever came across that on such a large scale. And I was like, what on earth is going on here? Like, where are everyone my age? So it's like age, there's not much diversity. Um, Gender, not much diversity. Ethnicity, race, it's just, it's so draining. And 
it does lead to like not being understood or just feeling very isolated. And my current situation is I'm actually trying to leave <laughs> my role mm. because um, it's just not it. Like mm. not being around people that look like you, especially now we're all virtual and it's like you feel the isolation even more. It's like, yeah, this is not it. I, I know now I can't work in a team where there's there's no one that looks like me. It's just it's just long. It's not worth it. Well, like the biggest <laughs> advice I give people is to look up like companies like diversity statements and how they do. Like I'm part of National Society of Black Engineers. I always say I love Nesby. It's like this organization that helps like uh black people get into tech um it's like just like similar to the Somali community saying on Twitter it's like such a nice bubble and like everybody puts each other on so like my university everybody graduates and essentially goes to the same company and that's the company I'm working at right now so like it's just so cute like it's just like ah yeah like I'm always like it's it's like they have that for engineering and then for me they have it for business NABA National Association Business Administration so it's like you can go to both and network in both like I have friends who are part of NESME and NABA yeah. And it's also really nice because, like, I sent you essentially become a mini you. So, for instance, like, there's this girl who I studied abroad with, like, I took the same route she took. We had the same interests and stuff like that. And it's like, it's so beautiful because she puts me on and, like, I'm putting on the next person. And, like, the work even, like, That's hires so from the company because they know the work ethic we have. And, like, you know, everybody made a good representation. But, like, no, because... For Did us, they take we say any that. UK people? No, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna ask around because <laughs> no, that's impossible. Like, but yeah, only- they always need more. Especially like for me, like I never thought like one of my dreams is to work at Google, and I always watch uh, Google's videos and stuff. And literally, they're the they literally have diversity applications. Like they need you more than you need them. Yeah, yeah I've definitely noticed that because I've been like job hunting over the past mm-hmm. few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um. And there's a huge difference in the US versus the UK when it comes to applying for a number of reasons. Um, And it's like, whoa, some companies, they're literally gagging for more black women. (laughs) It's so mad. Yeah, Um, literally. Which is quite interesting. Um, Partly because for me, like I'm at the stage where I'm open to try different areas within tech. Like at Mm -hmm. the moment I do like full stack engineering, Mm -hmm. um, but I'd be open to being more specific. Um, And then also funny thing that popped up when I started my channel was I focus a lot on accessibility. And in my head, it was just a case of if I'm gonna, um, so initially I was exposed to accessibility within um, web development. So Mm -hmm. um, writing like code, front end code um, that can be applicable for screen readers, just taking into account those sort of things that people, um, interact with the web differently to us um and I just kept it in the back of my mind like oh wow this is so cool like why was I not aware of this before to the extent mm-hmm. and then fast forward I started my channel and I noticed initially I was just captioning my videos normally because I like to read stuff with captions I watch stuff on Netflix with captions yeah. I don't necessarily have any impairments it's just that's how I like so to important. do it yeah so I just did that for um, my YouTube videos my early videos Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I realized I had tapped into the deaf community online. Some of yeah. them were like tuning in. They're like, oh my gosh. Like yeah. um, some of them will message me privately like, oh, wow, you're actually con- captioning your content. Are you a deaf mm-hmm. person? Are you someone that requires? I'm like, no, I just mm-hmm. topped out my content. No, and that's it beautiful. Generated ones. It was like my, like I was doing it by hand. Um, and then I was like, wait a minute. I remember when we were learning about web accessibility in the boot camp. And so I was like, what if I um, found a way to get um, British Sign Language incorporated in my videos? I had no idea how I was going to do it at the time, because even till now, I do all my content creating on my phone. Your YouTube is so inclusive and a model you preach is accessibility should be a standard, not an afterthought, which I think is beautiful. Um, What made you understand this and have an accessible YouTube channel? We really want to step it up here. No, we're not inclusive at all. Like, well, it's hard with podcasting, I feel like, but I would love to just learn about how. Yeah, because we both deal with it in our families. Um, So for me, it was just like, the for me, I'm just starting, like, especially with, like, um, my YouTube channel. So Mm -hmm. initially, it was just captioning, like, just doing closed captions. And then I thought, you know what, why not step up even more? Because what if there's people that um, prefer using sign language over just reading subtitles? And so I just started doing my research. I started asking around. Like the first few videos, I didn't have um, 
British Sign Language Incorporated because I was looking for someone to help me with it. And then I remember like I was saving up and I was like, okay, cool. Let me save up and then let me find someone and then maybe eventually build a team. Um, and then even when it came to actually doing it, the first time I used um, British Sign Language in my videos, it was so hard. I had to like, there's so much you have to think about. Um, so like, I have to think about how fast I speak. I have to think about how I enunciate my words. Um, to this day, like, I try to not move my my hands around my face because it will block people that are using um, the, some people who watch my videos, they rely on lip reading to match what they're reading in the subtitles. So like I sit on my hands, for example, um, I try to pause after a certain number of words so that when my translator gets my copy of the video with the subtitles, um, she can make more time because and one thing that I was learning and one thing a lot of people don't understand is that sign language, British sign language and the English language is not the same. It has a different grammatical structure. So I could say something in English that has like seven words, but in British sign language, it might need 10 words to be translated. So there's like a three second gap. So you need to find a way to pause and make sure you're not too behind. So it's all these things that I now had to think about and it was just a constant learning process, even till now, even things like with subtitling, you've got um, videos out there where it's got like a whole paragraph of subtitles. And it's like, as someone who's, has, as a hearing person, that already doesn't look nice to me. So can you imagine someone who's trying to keep up with what you're saying and then reading three lines of captions in one frame? It's, it's a lot to think about. But for me, the way I try to approach it is, if I'm seeing it as a standard and not just like an afterthought thing, then it forces me to think about it from the jump as part of my mm -hmm. content creation process. So like, even the way I frame myself, I've had to adjust to that. Like when I'm editing, um, even before editing, like when it comes to where I put my camera, like my phone, basically, I have to think like, okay, I have to make sure I'm sitting enough to the side so that when there's the British Sign Language clip in the video, there's enough space because I don't want to make the screen too small because then how do I know if the person is gonna be able to read the subtitles and follow the sign and hit, look at what I'm saying at the same time. It's a lot to think about, but it's really got me questioning like what should I be doing as an individual to make sure that I can communicate better with the deaf community, for example, because there's all these things I didn't know. Like I didn't know that, you know, um, certain times when I'm speaking, because I speak so fast sometimes, um, my lip reading isn't clear. Like people who rely on lip reading won't be able to understand what I'm saying. Even if they've got hearing aids and they can hear me a little bit, they'll still struggle to say, to understand exactly what I'm saying because they might hear a certain word, but because the letters are not clearly pronounced via lip, via my lips, um, they might not be able to get that right information. It's, it's a lot to think about, but it's made me realize how shut out the deaf community, for example, are from the world because I was doing my research. I was looking at the job market in the UK for deaf people. Um, a lot of the times they, um, they are more likely to um, quit school because they just don't have the right facilities. Um, the employment rate for people with disabilities is so bad here. The statistics are really bad. Um, even within my own team. So I've got two British Sign Language translators and one of them now, we're in a pandemic where students are already struggling with university. But then now imagine you're a deaf student and your lecture videos are not being captioned properly. The interpreters are not being booked. You're basically expected to get a degree with through content that you can't actually access because they're not bothered to make it accessible for you. So I think for me, I just sort of wanted to set as a standard just mm -hmm. for my, at the beginning for myself, but then other people to see like, look, if I can do this all on my iPhone, then big corporations have no excuse. Um, big brands have no excuse. And I didn't want it to come across like I'm doing charity work because these are actual people with, um, with lives and personalities and they're educated and everything. So it's like, why can't they enjoy my content and learn from my content like everyone else? And when mm -hmm. I approached it from that perspective, it's like sometimes when I'm filming, like I'm, I almost feel like 
it feels unnatural when I speak too fast in my videos. It's like, oh no, crap, I have to film again. Um, but yeah, it's just been, an, it's a very interesting process. There's still so much um, to improve on, but I guess my message would be like, just see it as something that should be a standard because then you can incorporate in the work that you create and it just opens you up to a new world where it's like wow where have I been this whole time um and what should I be doing as an individual to make it easier for my deaf community so that's how I see it basically <laughs> so that's so nice no it's yeah. like I was like really like intrigued because it's like I feel like a lot of times we often overlook like the whole university thing like my university like they would beginning of the quarter they would like spam me they're like hey can somebody take notes like it's literally an afterthought they would like just like be like can somebody take notes there's a, a student in your class that does have a disability that needs it and it's like it's so inconvenient so I'm like what if nobody in the class volunteers or like what if my notes don't make you know how I take notes like why isn't like you know it's just everybody just it's a second thought and like we literally like design the world for able bodies and we mm -hmm. take up so much space and we're just not aware of it because like the world's designed for us essentially do you know what's mad so I wear glasses right and the reason why I like wearing glasses is not seen as like a big hindrance or anything is because it's normalized to be able to book an appointment get prescription and go and because it's so accessible people don't realize that it is a form of a disability like for example if I don't wear my glasses I can't do my job because I won't I won't be able to see my code properly because I'm short-sighted I wouldn't be able to go grocery shopping and see all the, uh, the food that I need to get. There's so many things I wouldn't be able to do if I didn't have this, this piece of plastic in front of, on, on my face. Um, but it's not seen as like a huge hindrance because society has made it um, acceptable for you to have this sort of impairment and still go about your day. And I think also this pandemic has made people more aware of how important it is to have these things in place to make things accessible for everyone. Um, because for for the longest, people don't take disability um, wheelchair seriously. accessibility yeah, seriously. They don't take people with autism seriously. They don't take people with neurodivergent um, conditions seriously. Whereas now in the pandemic, oh, actually, guided learning online is possible. Working from home is possible. But all these times you were shutting out people on wheelchairs because your buildings were accessible and working from home was not seen as something to take seriously. And I feel like this pandemic has um, really opened a lot of people's eyes. Actually, you can. It's just that you don't want to. Um, and I think it's some. I just, for me personally, I don't want it to be a thing where it's just a trend. It needs to literally be a standard because if everyone has accessibility provided for them then there's so much more you can achieve and I don't mean to say that just to sound cliche but it literally doesn't bother anyone um, for my content to be accessible it literally just means more people can access it and nobody loses out on that so yeah I just I would like to be in a situation where I could see like this option to be available on like Netflix screens or at university I want to be in a world where it's like if there was an online virtual event, it would be a standard to have an interpreter there. It would be a standard for it to be live captioning. And it's quite hard as an individual to incorporate everything because now it's like, I have to think sometimes like I need to make sure um, when I'm post off on Instagram where it's visual that I'm captioning my stories because I have deaf people watching my Instagram stories. Or like when I post something on my Instagram feed, you've now got the, op the option of alt text which is a way to describe the pictures for screen readers. So people that can't see um, very well, there's so many things to take into account, but it's like, it feels overwhelming because it was never seen as a standard and it's still not seen as a standard. Um, so hopefully I would like to, I would want to see it more normalized, especially in tech, because we talk about like being so technically advanced and you know, tech is the future, but it's like, you can't get it right for a community that's been around for so long and yeah. they're completely being shut out from the world. A lot of them are, in, you know, experiencing the world silently, literally, um, but apparently even, our industry is advanced, but we're not because we're not even getting that right. Like, accessible technology is not even taught in like school, like uh, colleges right? and yeah. stuff like that. Like I remember my university, like some people were getting extra point. Like the professor was like, wow, like you thought outside the box just cause like they came up with an idea yeah. that was accessible. And I'm like, that's so, so annoying. It's like, bro, that's even for me, like I'll call myself out. Like 
abroad, I studied abroad, learning about disability and accessibility. Um, and I still am an ignorant, able body. Cause it's like, you're right. I'm like, people are like, oh, it's, it's sometimes it's like, I should do it. It's the right thing to do. But you're like, I don't, the technicalities of it are so, but it's because we don't take time out of our day, you know, to look at yeah. it and be like, how can I make this happen? Like, even like right now, although not, not as a podcast and like, we're not on YouTube, we can be on YouTube. We can't take the extra mile to caption or even like post an article with all the, you know, the transcript yeah. of everything. Like we can, it's just that, you know, we're ignorant and we're, we, we're kind of are lazy. We're like, ah, that's yeah. Bit, you know? mm-hmm. yeah. but it's, it's honestly like we should do our part and like, I'm I'm so inspired because it's like you're right it's like it's not it should not be an afterthought it shouldn't be like after I'm done editing all the audio and stuff like that I go how can I make this accessible it should be the first you know just like how we think about audio yeah. you know what I mean we mm-hmm. think about yo is this audio good to post like we should think about that too so and you know what's mad it's like there's times where brands have reached out to me or publications have reached out and they're like oh yeah representation representation but then from the jump I'm like dude you're asking me about accessibility for the deaf community you want me to speak for a whole community that I'm not part of mm-hmm. when I've literally got a team of black deaf people that can help you with this and it's like I think the the wider issue is a lot of these institutions and organizations that aren't seeing it as a standard from the jump they sort of want to have like this token mentality like oh we're doing you a favor by considering accessibility. We're doing the deaf community a favor by actually taking you seriously. And it's like, but why is that the case? You know, you're not doing me a favor by, you know, making text bigger so I can see it with my glasses. That's not a favor, you see it as a normal thing. So why can't you see it as a normal thing to have an interpreter or captioned content? Um, And one example I can give that's really nice to see is on TikTok. Like Mm -hmm. having closed captions is quite normal. And it's quite like seen as part of the creative process. Mm-hmm. And if those kids can get that right, what are these big brands doing with all this money? What are university, um, what are universities doing to make sure that their deaf students are not being left behind? Um, and like when I have had brands reach out to me, I'm already saying from the jump, like, okay, if you release this, it needs to be accessible for my audience because I have a chunk of my audience who are deaf. And so I can't sit here write a piece about accessibility but then my audience can't see it like an example was there was this major publication where I did an interview with them then they released the video on Twitter and I initially retweeted I said, oh my gosh look who's in this video but then I had to delete it because I was like wait a minute that video is not subtitled so if I share this now and say oh I featured in this interview a huge part of my audience that's important to me can't they don't know what I'm, what I'm saying because they can't there's no captions and so I had to reach out and it was frustrating because I had already told them from the jump like I need this feature to be captioned because it's a video content and if it's not then I don't want to proceed ahead and thankfully they um, took it down and they reposted it but it's just little things like that we can do as content creators um, as individuals in general like um, for example like I have friends I've made online who are deaf and they're asking me oh what does this video say can you um, quickly transcribe it for me and it could be like a little short clip of a meme but they won't be able to interact with it because they don't know what's being said um so I would give props to like TikTok as a platform for example like a lot of um young super young kids who are on there they make it so normal and it's like it is possible it is doable it's just a lot of these big organizations are so stuck in the past they're still doing diversity and inclusion um, programs they're not even getting the other stuff right <laughs> let alone accessibility and it's just frustrating being in the tech industry now because it's like we literally have the tools to get it right but we're still not seeing it as a standard um, so I would like to see that change personally and that's what led me to discovering a role that I did not realize existed in tech which is um, you can be like a developer with a focus on accessibility. There's like a whole course on it. Um, there's like this accessibility coordinator role where your job is literally to run some tests to make sure that companies' websites and apps are accessible. Otherwise they get sued. I didn't know this is a whole thing. Um, so that's something that I've got my eye on because it's like it combines my love for coding and tech and also my passion for making things accessible as a standard um but yeah that's just been my experience of all that and that's what sort of pushed me 
I'm definitely going to send your um, YouTube and stuff to the organization I'm a part of because we can work on that. Um, just to like, because it's a huge organization. It's like thousands of people are on it. And we just, you know, because yeah. we don't have closed captions, all these things, you know, people in the deaf community can't see, you know, it's inspiring. And also like, not just encoding, but if anybody's interested in like anything accessible wise, like there's like a lot of websites and stuff like that. I'll link it down below. Like uh, when I was in South Africa, there was a lot of like accessibility product roles. Like if you're interested in product design or like product management, it's like so interesting on how like they develop it and they customize it for everybody's needs and stuff like that. It's like, once you start thinking about that way away, I think it like, it just pisses me off because like tech is designed to make the world a better place. And this is like an industry and this is the aspect of the world that it can change. But it's like, as you said, brands are just stuck in the past. So we just won't, we probably won't see it anytime soon. On a brighter note though, since I've started like putting accessibility at the forefront of my work, I feel like I've unlocked a whole new world for myself. And it just feels, I, I feel like I enjoy my work a lot more because every time I've done editing, I've done doing something, it's like, okay, I've I've gotten better at covering all my bases from the jump. And it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel, it shouldn't feel like charity work is what I'm trying to say. Um, and also you, um, from a technical perspective, like in terms of like when I code in my day-to-day, even though accessibility is not something that my workplace focuses on, like sometimes I'll read my code and it's like, oh my gosh, I know how I would make this accessible and I know how I would do. And it feels great because you feel like you've unlocked a whole aspect and it's just nice to um, hear from people who are like, I would never have learned this because I just wouldn't know where to look for this sort of information. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like really, really young kids, there's older parents who are like, as, you know, as a deaf parent, as a deaf child, I'd, I, don't, I wouldn't have never figured this out. Or it would have taken me longer. It just feels good and it really opens you up to a whole community. And it's just a nice way to exchange information. And I feel like that's what tech should be about. Mm-hmm. So I, I really genuinely feel like these companies are missing a trick here when it comes to making like things I, accessible. Yeah, I feel like that's why TikTok is such like a popular app. And I feel like yeah. it's take over social media. But um, can you walk us through what a typical work day or week like or work week looks like for you? Is it just coding or is it like meetings? Like, um, I don't code as much as people think. Um, software engineers do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, if I had to break it down as percentages um, in a day-to-day thing, I would say maybe like, it depends. So say, for example, we're starting um, a new sprint for a project. And sprints normally just like a period of time where we work on specific things and we build certain parts of a wider project. So say if it's at the beginning of that sprint, one day would look like a whole bunch of meetings. So it would be like maybe 60% meetings, um, 20% writing up documents or reports, and then the other 20% um, planning out what you're going to code. Um, I personally feel like on average in my day-to-day, I probably spend like 40% of the day coding max because a lot of the times like you don't just jump in coding straight away you have to know exactly what you're solving you have to know what feature you're working on you have to make sure it aligns with what the customer wants um you have there's a lot of communicating a lot of meetings capturing those requirements um a lot of sometimes you're not coding anything from scratch in fact a lot of the things I code are not from scratch to be honest I've just gotten really good at googling things um enjoying my time on stack overflow not enjoying, but like panicking my way through Stack Overflow, copying and pasting code that I need and then just refactoring it to fit into what I'm trying to do. I think that's a huge skill um, as a developer in general that you should pick up. Um, So yeah, I don't code as much. I would say 40% coding generally, maybe like 30 to 40% meetings, stakeholder management. And then the rest is just trying to figure out how I'm going to approach a problem, um, getting stuck, having breakdowns, <laughs> crying while you're Googling things and rinse and repeat. That's basically <laughs> what average day looks like. Welcome to my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this 
like you going through that just gave me PTSD from my quitting classes. I do not miss them. CSC, anything. Uh, oh, oh my gosh. And you've got oh. the testing and oh, the pipelines. Oh God, no. My, my, I hate when like my code is not working and like I stayed up all night trying to figure out what's wrong and I go to my professor and he literally goes, that little dot right there and move it. Oh, it's the type. It's, it's, um, I use <laughs> Python and the indentation. Oh gosh. <laughs> if I could fight Java, like if Java was in front of me, oh, I would no. Java. I hate Java so much. I hate it. Well, like, I you know it. JavaScript where you miss the semicolon or, like, oh, you've just, you haven't closed the bracket. It's the most silliest things. And you be, um, and one thing you should, I've learned over time is just if you're stuck and you've tried everything, don't spend a few more hours on it. Just ask for help. Because yeah. the number of times I've had, like, um, colleagues that's me right like, now. That's- oh, you just forgot to comment out a line or, you know, you've just missed the notation. Oh, wait, you've got a typo because you can't spell function. No, um. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. Like, that's me right now trying to figure out my personal blog. And I'm even too shy to ask Ahlam sometimes because I'm like, I don't want to bother her. But Ahlam truly is the queen of, like, getting shit done. So oh, No, it's hard. Me. Wallahi, like, I feel like asking for help in any sense is awkward, especially, so like, hard. I feel like as... A lot of my interests and stuff, a lot of my internships and stuff, I just felt really off because I'm like, I'm already a minority. And if I sit here and tell these fools that I'm struggling for this basic code or basic assignment, yeah. yeah, no can I. Mm. But it's because it saves you so much time because once you ask for help, it's like, you know, you get it done in like an hour or two instead of like five hours of mental breakdowns. Yeah, honestly, I learned that the hard way because there was times where like I've been given a set of tickets. And I've gone through most of it. And then there's like one thing that's holding everything else back. And I'm like, nah, let me figure it out. Let me figure it out. I don't want to look stupid. And it just cost me hours and hours and hours. Only for me to realize if I had just asked for help, this would have literally saved my life. And I wouldn't. Because, you know, they don't care. And do you know what's mad? When people ask me for help, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not thinking in my head, oh, these people are stupid. Oh, what's wrong with you? I'm just thinking, oh, this person asked me for help. Let me help them. So they other people probably think like that but in my head I'm thinking nah you know I'm the only person that's not white hair they're gonna think I'm just a little tick box but really it's only you that's moving that way I'm my own enemy bro that's me right now with the gym I'm just like no I can't go to the gym they're all gonna look like look at me and see me struggling I can't do this and my brother was like that's literally your paranoia nobody gives a fuck about what you're doing everybody's in their own little world especially at work you're just like oh you need help that are this where it is like next next caller but I'm one of our last questions is what advice do you have for all nagnals who are listening who are interested in tech like what are uh, top three things that they should think about and like what they should do to get into this field i would say um if you're not in like a typical tech role you're in a completely different industry i would say list out the things that you do currently or list out the things that you're passionate about and then research the skills related to that so for example, um, when I was in marketing, I listed out all the skills that I have within marketing. Um, and then I would list out the things that I'm interested in, in another industry, like for example, tech. And then I'll look at certain um, jobs and then I look at their job description and then I'll see if any of my skills that I currently have match the ones that are in those job descriptions. I look for any similarities mm-hmm. and, then I'll, and then I would sit there and put together that list and it's like okay cool so this is what I can I have this is what I could potentially transfer and now let me look at the things that I don't have what does it actually ask me to do and then I break that down and then it's just a it's just a matching game at this point and if you're not too sure social media Mm -hmm. like social media things like Twitter and LinkedIn and now I would say Clubhouse too it's not the most accessible app in comparison to the other two but um I would say Clubhouse as well because I've connected with quite a few industry people um but Twitter is a great place because all you have to do is just search up certain hashtags and certain keywords and it will give you like lists of people who have it in their bios or who talk about it um if especially if you're listening to this and you're Somali there's so many great platforms now with all these tech communities so you've got like um Somalis in tech you've got um Bridge the Gap in tech um you've got there's like this newsletter that came out recently called Dev Daily. I'll probably send you all the links, but I would say reach out to people, ask people who are doing jobs that you're potentially interested in. That's something that I used to do before I got into tech. Say for example, I got like 
I wanted to apply for this marketing role, I would look on LinkedIn with anyone who has that same job description. And then I'd reach out to them and be like, hey, how does your day-to-day look like? Like, what do you think of this role? Is there anything I should be aware of? And wallahi, that saved me years of stress. Like my current job requires a degree and two years experience. And I don't have neither. So, you know, like leaning to people, like lots of people, especially in the tech industry, they love helping you out. Um, it's quite nice that that a lot of people actually benefit from helping and everything, a lot of things are open source. So I would say keep an open mind, reach out to those people and look at the skills that you do have. Um, don't be shy about the things that you know. List them out and look look at it for yourself on paper. You'd be surprised how many jobs cross over. And also, not everything in tech is about coding. Um, there's a lot of things that in the creative part, field. Let them know. Let yeah, them know. <laughs> there's so I many other places. And the thing is, the tech industry as a whole, in all departments, is in demand. It's not even one of those things that, oh, yeah, this bit is oversaturated. It's not. Like, and with the way the world is going now, it's going to be an even more demand. So pay attention to the skills that you do have as, as different as it might be to the tech industry. You'll be so, so surprised how many of those skills are needed in the industry. Um, so that's my advice. And just go for it. Guys, please just move mad in, the, in a good way. Move mad, <laughs> shoot your career shot. Shoot your career <laughs> shot, like. Listen, some of these men in these industries, yeah, when you actually deep what they have in qualifications, you would literally, you would literally sit there and be like, do you know what? I actually can't luck. There is money to be made in this industry. Shoot your shot because in tech, everything is in demand. Everything is in demand. So and confidence don't hold yourself back. Yeah, yeah, confidence, yeah. I think you would agree. I was talking, in our other interview, I was telling the um, author we were interviewing about how like, I'm always self-conscious about my personality and how bubbly I am. Mm-hmm. But in tech, it's like, people love that. Like people they love, love it. it's vocal. a rare, t- it's a rare thing. No, I literally was talking so socially office. awkward. <laughs> my confidence is what shot, I literally, I literally was the man in me and Aham's relationship. I shot my shot with her when she was in Barcelona in Spain yeah. on a study abroad. And I was like, if I wasn't that confident, like I would not know who Aham is right now. And I would not have no, we would not be friends. We would not be sisters. Like it's we would not be friends. Like, yeah. Like you have to. I feel in like my head, I'm just. <laughs> in my head, I'm just thinking. Listen, if I could move mad and move out two days before telling my parents, then what do I have to lose? <laughs> what do I have to lose? <laughs> and even like with people short. that are like socially awkward a little bit, it's like think about the things that you will lose by not asking. Because mm-hmm. if you don't ask, it's a guaranteed no that you're not going to open that door for you. Mm-hmm. But if you do ask, there's like possibilities, mm-hmm. and if there's a possibility, there's a chance. Yeah. Whereas and if you completely close that off, you know already there's nothing there. So where's the excitement? Mm-hmm. It's not there. Um, yeah. Also, yeah. men move. We men move so oh. bad. Like my professor who was telling me that men apply to jobs that they have like one qualification for. Like they just apply, they shoot their shot. Whereas women, unless they have all the skills or like everything, mm. overthink. Yep. But like, wallahi nimanka, like they. I like sometimes like young Somali boys will hit me up and I'm like, oh, what role are you interested in? They go this role. I'm like um I can't even apply to that one and they go no no my mentor said I can do it and I'm like if he's doing that what's my excuse like they just like shoot their shot every day to women to careers to things they will never get in their lives men will have one thing if they don't have everything yet it's audacity so apply (laughs) it to yourself (laughs) apply it to yourself we need. we need that on a t-shirt bro say that again (laughs) guys feel free to help me out listen Men will have absolutely nothing to their name. If you can bank on the one thing that they will have, it's audacity. So uh, it literally, like, that, so it rubbed off on me. It really like, rubbed off on me. No, it does. Because like, especially like um, in university, like the Adan men in my class would argue with the professors. This man is a PhD holder in his career. This man spent years <laughs> studying. This man, Adan boy would be like, actually, I still don't understand what you're saying. And I honestly disagree with that. And here's why. And I'm like, shut up. It got almost... <laughs> like, why are we arguing like shut listen up. do you know what it is yeah somalis are ruthless so i don't understand why this is not being transferred in the workplace no you know why um, because i think we're at least for me i get shy like i cannot like unless you're my family and i come from a very educated family so does Ahra. so like i have no problem like asking my like i've had 
I networked with my like cousins, you know, but anybody outside my family, I get so shy. Like I, I cannot ask. But it's like you have to work on that. I mean, like I get like getting shy, but I also think our Somali culture, I have culture impacts us. Like yeah, like, yeah although we're chaotic, we're constantly like this shit. Don't do this outside yeah. the house. Like this mm-hmm. is not okay. But at the end of the day, closed mouths don't get fed. If someone told you that you know you can get two grand to help you pay your bills and they wanted to hand it to you, you would say yes. Really, yeah, on the low, you would say bro, yes. Fa- so the only thing standing between is a job. <laughs> Listen, I bro emails every day from this website called Fast Web Scholarships. Ten out of ten recommend. So you can give you free money. Here you go. Literally. Speak up, literally. That's wow. all. Uh, think- and America is quite cool for that because you guys have scholarships and stuff. In the UK, that's very rare, mm. very very rare. We don't do scholarships like that. It's not a common thing. Yeah, even in tech, America is so like. I get like tech again. I'm not gonna sit here and say I, I am com- I'm coming from a place of privilege, but American companies are stepping up and are doing a bit of work. Like a lot of universities have Nesby. Oh, America's ahead. UK yeah. is like whatever America is at, UK is 10 steps behind. But why does it feel the opposite, right? I don't know why I feel like America's behind. Let me tell you something. My role, yeah, if I was working in Amer- an American company, I would mm. be earning four times more what I'm on. <gasps> That's how bad it is. The yeah. money, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. After, That's after how bad I'll it is. No, it, it, I agree <laughs> when I that. tell you, wh- wherever Americans are in terms of the tech scene, UK minus 10. Yeah. That's where we are. It's it's that bad. What is it like um in the UK in America? One of like I have culture is you don't discuss your salary like out loud. Oh, in the UK thing. everyone's polite. Like let me some let me tell you something about the UK in general. Yeah, we like to suffer politely, stiff upper lip, get on with it. You could be crumbling, dying, crawling your way through life, mm-hmm. but you have to firm it. Um, so there's no there's no discussion. I've actually found that Americans are a lot more transparent. Yeah. Um, in general I don't like talking about that kind of stuff no I think that's so important to though yeah black Americans and like other African immigrants are definitely transparent about it um and like but like for my experience again I was in Nesby like a lot of the Somali guys and stuff like that they were super open to me about it they were like okay this is like what you should be offered and it's just good to know because like as women we already don't negotiate so it's like they probably offer me anything I'm like please pay me I'm willing there's like a rule of thumb that I picked up from some of the um, Americans online, especially the black Americans. Um, and I've been applying it to my job hunting. Whatever salary that I have in mind, add five grand to it. Yes. Period. And then say, yeah. Period. Also, like, always negotiate. Like, um, inshallah, like, we're going to have somebody talk about this in the upcoming episodes. But negotiation is so important as women, like, all from all walks of life, women don't do that. They just accept the salary from the first jump. But especially in tech and stuff like that, you can literally negotiate. Like, sometimes, like, you might say five grand. These people are willing to accept 10 grand for you because that's how much yeah. they value. But you're undervaluing yourself. There's also a tip. If you don't know what to ask, like, you're really shy and you don't know, just literally flip the question back at them and be like what is the salary range for the successful applicant yeah and also when if you're going gonna think of it, that line just think of that one line memorize that in your head that's it if you don't know no, not even bro google is free there's literally websites they say average salary jobs.com that will tell you what the average salary yeah. is for that job in this moment in time and then i know glassdoor there's like reviews that you can look at of people yeah. and what they were getting paid so yeah. like it's like Glassdoor no. is really accurate too. I'd say Glassdoor is really, really accurate. Like people like post ex- after their offers, like boom. Me, people being me, eh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, for this is like for more. Um, if you're like super, super shy, you you freeze up or whatever. If you're gonna remember one line when it comes to offers, what is the su- what is the salary range for the successful applicant? If you go completely blank, you have no idea what number to say. What is the successful, no, what is the salary range for the successful applicant? Leave it at that. If you can't have the leverage, just do that. No, literally. No, that's, I hope everybody takes that down. I'm going to, you know, remember that because I'm, I'm not shy, but I will remember that part. My last question for you, which is our favorite question is, who's an agnol in your life who has inspired you and your overall journey? Do you know what? I don't have one. But as of recent, I have one because um, she's actually like, she looks like an older version of me. She's like my <laughs> doppelganger, basically. Let me find- <laughs> I don't think you understand. Like, it's so scary. I came across her like two days ago. Her name is Janella Massa. Um, she's Canadian. She's like a reporter. Oh. 
and she literally looks like an older version of me like I someone I was scrolling past I was like wait I never did that and then I look closely and I'm like this is not me <laughs> um, and then a few people kept reaching out to me and saying I thought this person was you um, she's super talented she basically created her own dream job she's like a mm-hmm. journalist um, she's got a new show coming out um, on the 11th of January and I just started reading through her work and I'm just like I feel like she's in my head but like an older more mature more grounded life's working out version of myself um and that's really been like keeping me sane for the past few days but in terms of like growing up in general um there was a time in my childhood I was a very sporty child so um Serena Williams the Williams sisters in general were very inspirational Mm for me um not even just because of the sport itself, but they were just go-getters. They were navigating a time where it was not normal to see black tennis players playing at Mm -hmm. the level that they're at. And just seeing the dedication to the sport was very inspiring. And, you know, as a sporty kid, it was like, yeah, I really, I think it definitely contributed to my confidence growing up Mm -hmm. as a child. Um, So there was that. And then obviously like, it was just loads of um, different groups of black women throughout my life. There wasn't any specific I don't know it's very hard for me to attach to just one person mm-hmm. I like to learn I like to learn um, in a communal way if that makes sense I like mm-hmm. groups of people and tapping into them and learning from them and vice versa so that's basically how it's been like when it comes to inspirational that's role so models nice. no but thank yeah. you so much for coming on um where can our listeners keep up with amazing work that you're doing because I know they're all going to bombard you so <laughs> Um, so all my social media platforms are Yeah She Writes. Um, should I spell that out? No, no, you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put it. Yeah, I'll put it. Yeah. So all my socials are Yeah She Writes, and then my YouTube channel is Develop with Amina. Um, that's so, that's oh, I love the way that sounds. Your mind. Yeah. It's a nice play because it's not limited to tech, but it's still developing and growing (laughs) well thank you so much for coming this was so insightful this is so inspiring i know our listeners enjoyed it inshallah like we did Mm -hmm. um i'm a huge fan and you know i'm already subscribed i'm gonna start commenting now so catch me under amina's guys (laughs) thank you so much for having me this is really nice and i love your podcast so (laughs) thank you thanks so much for coming